You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Let me uh, let me tell you the title of my short message. Did you like that? Now I ought to get an amen right there. I mean, hey, whenever a preacher says short message, because we've already heard a great message, I'm going to tag team with the choir. And next week, we'll preach a lengthier message for, for actually Easter Sunday. But this Sunday, I want to challenge you with this thought. It's all about Jesus. Now, can I confess to you that probably in, in my 25, almost 26 years of being here, that it, it hasn't always been that way. And I know that may shock you, but I, I want to confess that uh, I, I've made it at times uh, not just about Jesus. I mean, he was always there. He was always in the sentence. He was always a part of our ministry philosophy, but we were making it, and I was making it, about other things as well. And I come to find out, as as I was set free of some of the old ways of thinking and and, and things that weren't really important, the, the mission became clearer to me that the church has one main attraction, and the one main attraction ought to be Jesus Christ. And that our lives ought to have one main attraction, and that is Jesus Christ. And the main attraction every Sunday at Gospel Light ought to be Jesus Christ because he is truly the main issue. In fact, there's not a lot of gray area here. All right, here's, how, here's how Scripture puts it, Matthew chapter number 12. It says, whoever is not with me is against me. It's pretty clear, isn't it? I mean, that, that's a very clear statement. In other words, it's either all about Jesus or it's all about the Antichrist. One or the other. You say, oh, I, I, would, I would never say that. But, but if it's not all about Jesus, then it's, it's, it's not about him at all. And so we've made some, some good philosophy, ministry, theological changes here. And, and our focus now is one thing and one thing alone, and that is to glorify Jesus. Because there's only one thing that God is interested in. And that one thing is the exaltation and glorification of his son, Jesus. Thus we sing, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. No one else is worthy but the lamb of God. Romans 15 and verse number 6 says this. That together, together as a congregation, you and I may with one voice... That's why it's so important for us to lift our voices in one accord in a worship setting like this and glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is and we are not interested in glorifying any individual, any movement, any denomination, any group because it's all about Jesus And when you get that, it really changes everything. Now, our text is Colossians chapter 3, and I want you to take just a a brief look there. You've turned there, and that's the only scripture we'll be actually looking at uh, in our our laps or on our our devices there. Notice in verse 1, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above. Not on things that are on the earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, don't pay close attention to this next statement. When Christ 
who is your life? Now I want you to think about that. Because Jesus rose from the dead so you could have life. Notice it doesn't say when Christ who becomes your life. It rather says when Christ who is your life. My friend, today, if you have Christ, you have life. He he came to give you life. And not just an average mundane life, but what does Scripture say? He came to give you life and life more abundant. Exactly. He wants you to be a life giver. I don't want to be a death giver. I don't want to be a, a participate in gossip and a critical spirit and, and negative and always looking at the downs. I want to be someone who believes that God has come to give life. And so every Sunday morning, my job is, as I look at it, according to Scripture, is to make sure that I'm breathing life from the life giver into this service. And that you leave this place feeling as if there is a reason this week to live my life and, and live his life through me. We can, we can impact this community, but we've got to be life givers. It's all about him. Philippians 1.21 puts it like this. For to me to live is Christ. That's it. Not for me to live is money. Not for me to live is this or that. But for me to live is one thing. For me to live is Christ. The reason I'm alive is Christ. The reason I'm here preaching and worshiping and sharing and teaching and passionate about it is because of Christ. I want to give you quickly four reasons the Christian life is all about Jesus. Are you ready? Number one, it all starts with this. Don't miss it now. Faith in Christ. It starts there. It starts with putting your faith in Christ. So the question then would be, have you put your faith in Jesus? You see, that's a very important question. And it's one that all of us need to answer. It all begins with faith. In fact, in Acts chapter 16, verse 31, Scripture says, And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. In Colossians 1, in verse 3, we're reminded that we, we should always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We should pray for one another. And here it is, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. That's where it all begins. So has anyone heard of your faith? Is it known that you're a Christian? Is it obvious? Is it something you talk about often? Is it something you share often? Have you a clear testimony of the day, the moment, the time when Jesus became your Savior? For me, not that it matters that you have to know the, the date or the, or, the, uh, or the exact time, but you, you should know the place and have a pretty clear testimony. For me, it was September the 1st, 1978. That means I was 13 years of age. I was a very religious person. Oh, I went to church all the time. I was very religious. In fact, for me, religion would have been to confess your sins to a priest. That would have been the way that I would have thought you get to heaven. You get to heaven by making sure, get this, that your good works outweigh your bad works. That's the key. You got to make sure you do more good than bad. And as long as you're at least 5149, you're going to get there. So I worked hard to be at least that. And and I would very anxiously, boy, it's a terrible way to live your life. Anxious, worry, fretting, always concerned. I I need to get to the priest. I need to confess my sins. I need to get this right. I need to get that right. Always nervous, wondering if I'm going to make it, if I'm not going to make it. But all that changed on September the 1st, 1978, when I realized that Jesus paid it all. And he died on the cross for my sins, for your sins. And he died to save me and to cleanse me for all eternity. And that's been the message that I've shared now for for all of my days. And even to this Sunday, I put my faith in Christ. 
And that's the first thing that the Christian life is all about. Have you done that? Have you put your faith in Christ? Number two, the second thing is it includes fellowship with Christ. Now, what does the word fellowship mean? I love this word because in reality, in case maybe you you did not know this or this was not a way that, that you've ever thought about it, I'm sure many of you have, but we are this morning a part of a fellowship. Now, this is the church. You came to church this morning, but you also came to fellowship this morning. Fellowship meaning this, that we are here for a shared purpose. Not purposes, not a lot of reasons. We're here, we're, we're, we've come together as one. We're unified on this thing. It's all about Jesus. Isn't it feel good that it's all about Jesus? It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about how well I preach, how well they sing. It's about, was Jesus glorified? Was he exalted this morning? Because that is why we come to fellowship. So there's a few things I want to share with you about this word fellowship in Scripture. Number one, we have fellowship with the Father. That's found in 1 John in chapter 1, verse 3, where it says, That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father, with His Son, Jesus Christ. Have you had fellowship with the Father today? Have you taken time to spend time with God today? Was it sweet? Was it special? You see, the Christian life is all about fellowship with the Father. It means this morning we, we have a quiet time with God. We, we have a time that we meet with God. We pray. We, we seek His face. We recognize His preeminence in our lives. And we understand that every breath we take today is a gift from God. Fellowship with the Father. So important to start every day off with that. But not only fellowship of the Father, there is also, according to Scripture, fellowship of the Spirit. And that's found in Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 1 where it says, If if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit. What is the fellowship of the Spirit? Well, you see, when I got saved, when Jesus came into my heart, September the 1st, 1978, part of the package of all this was the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And when the Holy Spirit of God came inside of me, there was a power that came with it. What's really cool about this fellowship of the Spirit is that some of you may think that I'm up here doing this all by myself. But I've got some really good news. (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) I'm not. I've got the Spirit with me. In fact, what I say this morning would not be nearly as effective. It would not have any eternal uh, persuasion were it not for a still small voice called the Holy Spirit that even though I'm speaking rather loud, in His voice He speaks louder because He speaks to your heart. And anything I can talk you into, somebody else can talk you out of. But anything the Holy Spirit talks you into, you can't run from. And my prayer this morning is that I'm not the voice you're hearing, but that it'll be the Holy Spirit. That's what's so beautiful about having fellowship with the Spirit, recognizing His presence within you. It's an amazing fellowship. And then there's the fellowship in the gospel. I love the fellowship in the gospel because it's what it's all about. In fact, in Philippians 1.5, it says your fellowship in the gospel. What is that fellowship? That is why we gather every Sunday. We gather every Sunday to recognize that it is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that makes it possible for you and I to have fellowship in the gospel. That's what we preach. That's what we teach. That's the only way to heaven. It is through Jesus Christ. It is all about the gospel. And the gospel is not something that impacts our life only once. Rather, it impacts our life every single day. Then fourthly, there's the fellowship we have with one another. 
And that's found in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, where it says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. This is very important because none of us can live the Christian life alone. We've got to have support. And, and, and that support comes with other believers who have put their faith in Jesus. We find that in small groups. Sometimes we find it maybe in a Sunday school class. Or, or yesterday I fi- found it at, at the work day where I got a chance to fellowship with some men as we walked around and weeded and cleaned and had some really... I got to spend some time yesterday with some guys and I thought about it this morning in my prayer time that I normally don't get to spend a lot of time with. But yesterday, I got to bond with some men. I got to fellowship with some men as we came together to, to really help, uh, you know, enhance God's properties, if you want to put it. It's a fancy way of saying weedy. Anyway, and, uh, but we had a good time. All that to say, I needed that. I needed that. It wasn't a waste of my time. I wasn't just up here weed-eating. I was up here fellowshipping. That's the way I look at it. I need that fellowship. I need other people in my life. We have fellowship one with another. And then there's fellowship of his sufferings. This is one we wish we didn't have to deal with, but it's impossible. And it says in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Now, oftentimes we look at that word suffering and we think, well, I don't want a part of that fellowship. I like all the other fellowships. I like the fellowship with the Father. I like the fellowship with one another. I like all that other fellowship, but why do we have to do this fellowship? Well, this is the one we ought to like the most. Because the Bible says that we can take joy in the tribulations that we go through. Because when we go through suffering, we are more like Jesus than any other time. You see, that's how we're saved today, because of his sufferings, his pain. We we can know salvation. And I can assure you, when you go through a hard time, you are closer to Jesus than you have ever been before. He is a very present help in those times. The fellowship of his sufferings. He only had one son with no sin, but he never had a son with no sorrow. He was acquainted with sorrow and acquainted with grief. It was often, and if you'll think about it, those of us who have fellowship with the Father understand suffering is something that just goes with it. It happens often. We're all appointed a certain amount of suffering so we can all become more like Jesus. It's part of it. It's a great thing. We can find joy in that. And then there's the wrong kind of fellowship. This fellowship is what takes us away from all the other fellowships. And it's found in Ephesians 5 and verse 11 where it says this. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. You see, this is why sometimes at church and at gatherings and and at small group, and sometimes we have to confront someone because we love them, because we see some of the wrong fellowship that's taking them away from the right fellowship. And so although there are a lot of fellowships that we have, there is a fellowship that has taken many people away from the church and away from the things of God and and folks that used to sit here but are no longer sitting here. And they're, they're struggling because they began to fellowship with some unfruitful works. And, and that's who we need to be praying for and concerned about to bring them back into the fellowship. A few weeks ago, we talked about calling and bringing the wanderer home. And so these are things that we can look forward to. Faith in Christ, fellowship with Christ. Can I give you the third thing real quickly? It includes, number three, faithfulness to Christ. Oh, this is a wonderful thing. This is, this is why you and I today uh, can say it's all about Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2 says this, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found, do you see that word? Faithful. Faithful. 
Because there is coming a day when you and I will stand before God in judgment. You say, oh, no, no, preacher, you got it wrong. That, now, the great white throne judgment is reserved for those that aren't saved. Good theology, but there's a judgment that's reserved for those that are saved, and it's called the judgment seat of Christ. And it's a, it's, a, it's a real meeting. It's a meeting that all of us who know Christ will have. We do have a judgment. It's the judgment seat. And I want to give you quickly, just to, to help you understand how awesome this opportunity is, I want you to understand there are things that ought to motivate us. In fact, the very fact that you're here this morning means something motivated you to get here, right? I mean, you came this morning for a lot of reasons, and, and I mean, you love Jesus, that's the number one reason, we've talked about that, but I mean, it's, we've talked about the fellowships, and we're, we're together, and we, we worship together, and some came because maybe somebody was singing, and you wanted to hear that, and that's great, but, but I want you to know there's some things that, that motivate me, and they motivate me in light of the fact that I'm going to have to stay before God. The first thing that motivates me is my salvation. I have never, ever gotten over the fact that on September the 1st, 1978, my eternal destination switched from hell to heaven. And if, if it's okay with you, I'm not going to get, it's been 40 years. And you may think I should be, have settled down by now. I should be calm by now. I shouldn't be singing the songs and worshiping. I mean, good night. It's been 40 years. I mean, get over it, Eric. I ain't getting over it. I'm not getting over it. And if you ever do get over it, I'm going to wonder if you ever got it. Because this is something that when it happens to you, it changes your life forever. And you can't help but to say this, that if nothing ever happens to me good, as long as that happens to me, I'm good. I'm good. I'm okay. I've got Jesus. I know where I'm going. And that motivates me to serve him, to be in church, to live for him. I'm saved. Number two, my family motivates me. It motivates me. I mean, it inspires me. I mean, it's intense. I mean, I'm talking about all I've got to do is think about my wife, my five beautiful children, my two daughter-in-laws, and, 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 and my grandchildren. Man, you, you, you just put that picture in front of me, I'm good. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep going. I've got little eyes looking at me. I've got little children looking at me. I've got people that call me, Papa! I've got kids that say, hey, Dad, what should I do about this? I've got a wife that's dependent on me to provide. I've got people in my life that, that's called family. And that family, that close-knit family is the reason why I want to stay straight and do right and be here and be an example. It motivates me. It just does. I can't walk away from that. I can't throw that in the trash can. It's too important to me. Number three, the judgment seat of Christ motivates me. The judgment seat. I mean, I think about it. I'm going to stand before God and give an account. And according to Matthew 25, according to Matthew 25, I'm either going to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, or thou wicked and slothful servant. One of the two. It, it, it's a real place. It's a real meeting. And, and, and according to how I steward my life will, will be according to whether or not I, I hear those words, faithful. I want to be faithful. And so there is, there is a, 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 a part of the Christian life that includes faith in Christ, fellowship with Christ, and faithfulness to Christ. And then third, fourthly, it includes being fruitful for Christ. Being fruitful for Christ. Now, we find that in John chapter 15, where Scripture says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself... Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me, Jesus says. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, don't forget this, 
ye can do nothing. Got to be plugged in to Jesus. And when you're plugged into Jesus, you're going to bear fruit. You see, the fruit of marriage is children. But we must have children in the faith. And that's why next Sunday is so incredibly important. You and I have an opportunity like no other opportunity the entire year to to plant a seed in the heart and the life of someone who, who maybe needs to be here to hear the message of Jesus on a resurrection Sunday, a Sunday where they would not come to church any other week, but they'll come on Easter. There's just something about that Sunday that people will respond more to an invitation. Thus making it possible for you and I to bear fruit and to see others come to Christ like we came to Christ. And so I want to give you real quick a five-step plan to bring someone to church next Sunday. It's simple, isn't it? It's, 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 a, it's a theological message with a lot of verses, but yet it really boils down to this. If we don't make it practical, sometimes we don't know how to live it out. And so I want to make it practical. Can I make it practical, like really practical? Like, okay, just for a minute, before you guys walk out of here, go eat lunch and just come back next Sunday. I got a plan for the next six days, seven days, and I just want to offer it to you. You can trash it or you can use it. But if you use it, I have a feeling you're going to bear fruit. Number one, here it is. First of all, practically speaking, look around where you live, work, and go to school. You say, what does that have to do with anything? Look around, yeah, because that's your mission field. Your mission field Your personal mission field is where you work. So look around where you work. Who is it at work that you can invite next Sunday to a very special once-in-a-lifetime service? Where do you go to school? Who is it that you can invite this week to come to church with you next Sunday and be your guest? Where do you live? Well, what has that got to do with anything? Because where you live is not... Because of the neighborhood, well, I live over here because of this, because of that. Look, I live in the hood. I don't live in the hood because it's safe. I live in the hood because it's my mission field. It's where God put me. It's where God says, I want you to live there, not because your land is valued, your house is appraised at a high. I'm not there because of the, I'm there because it's my mission field. And I have a responsibility this week to make sure that I'm using that place as a way to get an invite out. To plant a seed. See, I, I'm not going to Walmart this week just because I need milk. I'm going to Walmart this week because the lady at, behind the counter needs an invite. I, I'm not going to, 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 to Chick-fil-A this week to, to get me a, a, a spicy chicken sandwich. Hallelujah. I just, whew. That might have been the most spiritual thing I've said all day. I'm not going to Chick-fil-A to get a spicy chicken sandwich. I'm going to Chick-fil-A because somebody might need to to hear God loves them, and I'd love to have them as my guest this Sunday. You say, well, how, how many times should I do that? Well, I guarantee you, the more times we do it, the more people we invite, the better chance we have of one coming. But, but that's not our responsibility. It's not that they come. Our responsibility is just simply to invite. And what's really cool is the Holy Spirit does the rest. And that brings us to number, well, let me give you these two things to do real quickly. Number one, make a list of names. Make a list of names. And when you make a list of names, it makes it really easy to look at that list and say, okay, these are the people that that I'm going to personally invite. And you may put on that list of names, just put this, Walmart. You say, what do you mean? Invite, Invite Walmart? No, but that means when you go to Walmart, you can invite somebody. How fun would that be to go to Walmart to get your list, but also to say, okay, who am I gonna ask? Who am I gonna invite? Intentionally doing it. 
And then number two, I want you to also begin to pray for them regularly. And that brings me to number two, and that is this. Look up and remember, God changes people through prayer. God changes people through prayer. Listen, church, more than your invite, prayer is going to impact them. Your invite is, is, it doesn't have to be super exciting. It could just simply be, hey, listen, I was just wondering maybe if you would like to go to church. And, and uh, we're, we're having special Easter services, and it's kind of a, a, a cool time of the year. We've got a lot going on. Our pastor's excited about this message he's preaching, and I'd love to have you come. We're going to have, uh, you know, just have a great time. And, and that's all. And then let the Holy Spirit do the rest because you're going to pray for them after that. You got that list, right? So you're praying for God to take their hearts and to, and to work in their hearts and to speak to them. And I can assure you that oftentimes I've had people come to church months after I invited them because even though my invite had long gone away and, 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 and wasn't effective anymore, the prayers of the people of God and the prayers of others that are praying for that person. You know, we have no idea that God may be using us as an answer to someone's prayers. You ever thought about that? As you invite someone this week, it may be that their mother, their father, their grandparents, somebody in heaven is praying that God, have you ever prayed that God would send somebody? I have. Oh God, please send somebody down to my friend, my relative, my, my you know, th- this person. Please God, send somebody to them. What if that someone is you? How cool is that? You see, prayer is powerful. And God changes people through prayer. So pray for those on your list every day. Number three, look out and think of ways to connect with each person as uh, on your list. So look out for ways to do that. How can you connect with people? Well, you know, when you think about it, there's more ways than ever to connect with people. Would you not agree? I don't necessarily like all these ways. Sometimes these ways get a little monotonous and a little overwhelming. But you can text somebody. In fact, you could text somebody today before you uh, go to bed or leave the premises. You could actually, I just left church, was just thinking about you. And, and you're thinking about them because I just told you to write their name down. So you're telling the truth, amen. <laughs> and tell them you're thinking about them and, and maybe say a prayer for them so you can tell them you're praying for them and, and say, I just wanted to invite you before I forget, I want you to know I'd love to have you at church next Sunday. And then I want you to go in addition to that and invite them to come with you on March 31st to the big Easter party at the mall. That's going to be a blast. And sometimes that might be the thing that, that brings them uh, to church is something fun, something exciting. People are always looking for a, a family activity. And that's, that's just less pressure to be able to say, hey, we're going to have a great time. Bring your kids, inflatables. This is something God can use to attract people to church. In fact, that's really the only reason we're doing it. Because we want people to to come in contact with other believers that they might be attracted to Jesus through our love for them. Makes sense to me. It's just how God works. But we got to have a plan. And then look forward to beginning to talk with them about coming to church with you next Sunday. Look forward to that. I mean, begin thinking right now, who is it I'm going to talk to and, and, and what am I going to say? And God, help me to say what I need to say and give me the words to say to be a, a blessing, to have an impact. Look forward to that. I mean, get excited about it. You know, it's amazing, but sometimes um, I, I, I think that, that if we're not careful, we, we might look at a, at a passionate preacher and think, well, that's just him, right? That's just Brother Eric. I mean, you know, he's always, he's just that way. I've seen you at ball games. You ain't much different than me. <laughs> I've seen you get pumped in your team scores. I've seen you get excited when, when, when your favorite 
person does something, or, or when your dog wins the race, or when you, amen. What am I saying? I'm saying all of us have something we're passionate about. All of us have something that gets us out of our seat. Yesterday at the nursing home, Sonia, can you believe this? Sonia made me, I mean, here I am, a sophisticated pastor with a master's degree. I mean, I'm, I'm cool, I'm sophisticated, I'm like a reverend. So we're, uh, we're, at the, we're at the retirement center yesterday. We're singing, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for us. Have you ever heard that old hymn? So Sonia says, preacher, get up here. How do you say no to your elders? You got to say yes. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, preacher, get down. So I had to do this. I had to get down like this. And I mean, she kept talking and talking. I'm like, my knees are, I'm old. I'm getting tired. I'm trying to hang in there. I'm wobbling. And she said, now, preacher, when I say up from the graves here, I want you to jump up. So in the retirement center, I'm on my, and she goes up. And I go, whoa, in front of a bunch of people over 90. And all of them laughed and they thought it was great and they had a good time. But can I tell you something? That's worth jumping up and down for. It's worth me getting excited about the fact that my God rose from the dead. I love it. I'm not ashamed to tell you that last night we watched Michigan and, 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 uh, and, and Loyola, Chicago. What a story that is. Amen. And I'm not afraid to tell you that at the end of the games, I'm like right in front. And I'm like, you know, cheering for my team. I do. Our whole family does it. We're radical sports fans. I mean, we're ridiculous. I mean, if you videoed how we cheer for our sports teams, you'd probably think, those people are insane. We are. But I'm also going to get them all fours and jump up and down for Jesus when Sonia tells me to, of course. Anyway, now I'm saying this. I'm illustrating and exaggerating a truth. And that is, if you're not looking forward to who you're going to invite next Sunday, then what is this all about? And is it really worth it? And should we be here if we're not looking forward to it? If we're not excited about next Sunday? If I'm not pumped about the opportunity? If I can't walk out of this building thinking, you know, he's got a point. It is Easter. It is Resurrection Sunday. And it's been a while since we invited somebody. Who do you think we should invite? And who do you think we should invite? Hey, kids, who's on your list? And who at school can you invite? Should not we be looking forward to that? Like really pumped up about it? This is our final four. This is our national championship. It's Super Bowl Sunday for us next Sunday. Are we looking forward to that? And then number five, look after them by continuing to disciple them after they come to church with you. Listen, I am the product of discipleship. Honestly, every, many, many, many people come to church and have an experience And then they never come back, or they come back once, or they come back twice. There are many people. The reason why they're not here or they don't come back is because nobody follows up or looks after them after. But for me, there were several people raised in a single-parent home. I didn't have the opportunity to have, you know, a dad in the home. I just had mom, and she worked a lot to to, to feed us and, and to pay our school bill and to help us. To, to, to be raised in, a, in, a, in, a, in, in the way we were. And so it was, a, it was a little bit tough to really have, to turn out like this, to be honest, to, to, to be a pastor, to, to be who I am today without people who invested in my life. Youth pastors and pastors and friends and teachers. And Dave Chittam was my Sunday school teacher for five years. He looked after me. 
And I'm saying, are you looking after anyone? Is there someone right now that you're, you're concerned about, that you're looking after, that you're checking on? That if they come to church next Sunday, it's not going to be, it was good to have you here, but it's going to be great to have you here. We'd love to have you again. And we disciple them and we work with them. I've learned that far too often we leave this part off. We leave our responsibility just at planting the seed, and that's good and fine and wonderful, but there's more to it than that. There's something called discipleship because oftentimes people will come to church and they, their experience will be good, but it won't be life-changing. They need someone who will look after them. And so let's, let's be committed to do that. Now, with that said, we come to the end of this message, and this was not as deep and as wide as I normally speak. I did use a lot of passages of Scripture. I tried to use a lot of Bible today because I wanted you to understand some things. And the main thing is this, that it's all about Jesus. And if it's all about Jesus, then it's worth you and I giving our very best effort to make sure somebody next week is, is with us. And if they're not, at least we tried. And if they're not, at least we planted a seed. And maybe they'll come the next Sunday or even next Easter. But let's do something to plant the seed. And let's pray that God brings more people into the fellowship as a result of next Sunday. Let's file for prayer, shall we?